when I, I got here tonight and I realized I had left my watch at home. Well, I, I feel relaxed about that, but you might not. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Karen has one. <laughs> Pay no attention. Okay. <laughs> uh, I want to start tonight with a question which sadly might be easy to answer. Is there a person who has deeply hurt you and you still feel the pain of that? Maybe you want to forgive, maybe you've tried to forgive, but just thinking of them, your stomach knots up. I don't know whether it's a parent or a relative, uh, maybe it's your ex, maybe a coworker. Uh, who, who misrepresented you. Maybe it's someone in this room tonight. But the reality is you don't feel safe around that person, and so you either dislike them or fear them or both, or, or maybe hate them. A few years ago, the Barna Group surveyed practicing Christians, so these are active in their faith, and one of four said, I know someone I don't want to forgive or someone I can't forgive. So tonight, if you are feeling worn down by this person or you, you just love to not feel so churned up about them, you'd like to actually think about them less, um, then I come with, with a word of hope, a very powerful vision of hope from the prophet Isaiah. And it's for people in situations where it doesn't feel like peace would be possible. Now, I want to be clear, before I launch into Isaiah's vision, not every situation, sadly, will be healed this side of heaven and Christ's glorious return. Some people who are dangerous will keep on being dangerous. As Lou Smeads wrote, I love this, it's good to remember that when you pray for your enemies, it doesn't automatically make them your friends. They're still your enemies, and you'd better guard against them because they might wallop you while you're on your knees. <laughs> but here's what I am to declare on the authority of the Word of God. For those who follow God, whatever your situation, Isaiah reminds us God is not done yet. Where there is hate, there may yet be healing. Where there is conflict, there could be community. Where there's been fear, surprisingly, there can be fellowship. And I say this after a lot of decades of following Christ and seeing relationships both in uh, churches with people I've worked with and in my own life, ones that I thought were broken to the point that they would not be repaired until we all got to glory, and yet were, astonishingly even to me sometimes. So anyway, as I bring you this picture of hope from the prophet Isaiah, I know that maybe at times... It, it will sound, it'll just be hard to believe because it's so expansive and so amazing. But it's not naive. It was given to God's people when every single one of them was living with conflict and hate and fear. What you and I experience on a personal level, they were experiencing at the national level. As, as Rob explained so well last week, and thank you for that fine message, uh, when Isaiah receives this vision, it's 700 plus years before Jesus is born, and God's people are forced to pay protection 
it's called tribute back then, but it's like the mob calls it protection, to Assyria, the world's superpower. Assyria has these amazing war chariots that are the most technologically advanced uh, military equipment of their era. It's like having the best planes or the best missiles today, or the best tanks. But worse, the Assyrians have this nasty habit. After they beat you on the battlefield, they hideously and gruesomely torture their captives. I cannot tell you any more than that, or we would all have nightmares. And Isaiah sees something surprising right before this word that we're going to look into tonight. He sees from God that as horrifying as the Assyrians are and as bad as they are, and God does say clearly, they will be brought under judgment for their severity and arrogance. But right now, God is using them to discipline Israel. Surprising, but true. Here's why, chapter 10. This is a a prophecy against the leaders of Israel. Woe to those who deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. What will you do on the day of reckoning when disaster comes from afar? And sure enough, that happens. A new Assyrian king comes in to a power. He invades. He takes over much of Israel's land. And what's left, he puts his own puppet ruler over. And this new ruler, in the Bible's words, did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. So gone is most of the land that God gave to King David. Gone is this line of kings who had a heart for God. At least many of them did, like David did. Gone is your independence, gone is your hope. And for God's people, it must feel like our nation used to be this towering, beautiful tree, and it just got sawed off. And there's nothing left but an ugly stump. And maybe what someone has done to you has left you feeling in a a state that could be pictured like that. But to the people of God who feel discouraged and abandoned, Isaiah says this, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The stump's not the end. The stump is not the last word. The stump is not done. God is still at work. And from up this seemingly lifeless chunk in the ground, there will push up a new and green shoot. And that shoot is actually a person. That's why it's called the stump of Jesse. Jesse is the father of King David. So Isaiah is seeing there's going to be a new David, a true David, even better than David. Verse 2, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel, he'll be wise and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And unlike how Israel has treated the poor to bring on this painful discipline, this shoot of Jesse, verse 4, with righteousness will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. And now here's where I want to focus tonight. This new ruler brought in by God is our hope. And and under his wise and spirit-empowered reign of justice, It'll be a time of great peace. Verse 6, the wolf will live with the lamb. 
wolf and lamb get an apartment together. <laughs> this does not seem like a plan. <laughs> this is amazing. But since we live here in DuPage County and nobody much raises sheep, and I don't think there are wolves here. Does anybody know? Are there? Oh, somewhere. Yeah? Okay. But I've never seen one here, and I've lived here a long time. So maybe we can update the word picture. I, I saw this news story a little while back. A Wheaton family's seven-year-old dog was fatally attacked by coyotes Wednesday night after it ran from its owner's backyard. Riley, a cockapoo, was reportedly found injured with coyotes hovering over him. Riley's owner took him to a nearby veterinarian, but the dog died en route. And that's the world we're used to, where coyotes attack cockapoos, Russians attack Ukrainians, and people in our lives attack us. And Isaiah sees that in a world that bad, God is going to give the world a new ruler, a Messiah who will bring peace between people who have a history. He says the wolf will live with the lamb. Or in our words, the coyote and the cockapoo will snuggle up together. And Isaiah's poetry just expands layer on layer. He kind of mashes together like most vicious predator and most vulnerable prey. And he just keeps going. The leopard will be with the goat, the, the calf and the lion. Oh, and the yearling. And a little child will lead them. Can you imagine a kid going, lion, come on, come on, let's play. The cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down, to, their young will lie down together. The lion apparently has given up being a carnivore. He will eat straw like the ox. And here's the climax. The infant, the most vulnerable, will play near the most dangerous, the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. Under the reign of this shoot of Jesse, the most vulnerable person will be completely safe. It's like we'll all be back in Eden before the curse. We'll be protected. We'll be blessed. We'll, live, we'll know what it's like to live a life without conflict or fear or hate. It's, it's truly astonishing. Imagine a world where the dangerous person in your life is no longer dangerous. Where Nick Fuentes, the white supremacist, who, by the way, went to LT High School, not far from here, goes to dinner with Ibram X. Kendi, the anti-racist activist. Imagine President Zelensky of Ukraine sharing a toast with Vladimir Putin of Russia. Imagine people asking for forgiveness. As I imagine this picture, amazing picture of a wolf living with a lamb, really my heart was stirred. I, I found myself praying, Lord, haste the day. <laughs> Lord, I'm so sick and, and overwhelmed some days by the news. I'm so uh, just worn down by this world we live in with so much damage and, and relational breakdown. But even as my heart was responding with hope and joy to the picture, my head was balking. And my head was saying, is this even possible? It's so hard to imagine. I mean, I've never known such a world. My dad fought in World War II. My father-in-law fought in Korea. My camp counselor fought in Vietnam. I signed up for the draft when there was the Iran hostage controversy. 
And now, as U.S. taxpayers, we're all fighting a proxy war in Russia. So it's so hard when you've experienced war, 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 war in personal relationships, conflict, difficulty, challenge, misunderstanding, miscommunication, to go, oh, could a wolf and a lamb really live together? But here's something I've learned over the years, that when, you get, when you're reading the Bible and you hit something where you feel some inner resistance, dig deeper. Pray and press in right there because sometimes from the hardest uh, you know, part of the mind comes the best gold. And, and, and here's, here's what I found as I did that this week. First of all, Isaiah is not saying this because he's a Pollyanna. Isaiah is surrounded by more death and destruction than we could ever imagine, right? But he can receive this picture from the Spirit of God because he sees how peace like this could actually happen. It's because for the first time, everyone will be drawn to someone greater. The shoot of Jesse, God's Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. In that day, verse 10, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him. This is new. Everyone will come to Jesus. They'll be taught by him, led by him. And and that's what makes it all possible when everybody starts to worship and obey Jesus Christ. This is what God is doing. There will be a new heavens and a new earth with this new shoot of Jesse ruling all people in peace. Now, what does this mean for you and me today? Wolves with lambs, toddlers with cobras. I think this prophecy, like so many in the Bible, is what I call a bifocals prophecy. So part of it, um, you, there's like a bottom close-up lens, and when we look through that, we can see part of it being fulfilled now or near to our own time in our own time. But then sometimes we have to look through the top lens and see when it will be completely brought in its fullness. So we know that the top lens is when Christ returns in glory and all things are made new. Bless the Lord. And maybe tonight what you need to do as a response for this message is to look through that faraway lens and feel the comfort of knowing no matter how difficult your current situation is, no matter how awful your antagonist, your future in Christ will be peaceful and safe and full of joy. And he will wipe away every tear from your eyes. Maybe your soul is grieved as mine so often is as you watch the news or you scroll online and you doom scroll. (laughs) Well, tonight... May this picture from Isaiah lift up your sight so you see in the distance it's not just bad news. God's bringing good news. God's going to unite everything under the rule of his son. One of my all-time favorite bands, Five Iron Frenzy. Any Five Iron people out here? One. Thank you. (laughs) 90s ska band? No, it's not doing anything for you. Okay. They have this great line, though. They said, you know in your heart that the farsighted see better things. You know in your heart that the farsighted see better things. And one of the privileges we have as Christians is that we get to be farsighted. And we can look up and see in the distance what God is bringing about that is better. Praise the Lord.
There's a reason why it's called our future hope. So we all need to look through the top lens. But now I, I got more interested this week actually in looking through the close-up lens. Can we see any signs of wolves and lambs in our own time where it seems impossible? Actually, this is, it turns out it's just a major part of what Jesus does. From the day he starts work and he's forming his team, he hand-selects one person who is a tax collector, meaning they've been a sellout to the occupying overlords. They're extracting money from their own people and handing it over to the oppressive army and paying for the troops that are oppressing them. And Jesus decides, I'm going to hand-select and place right next to him on this same team somebody who's called a zealot, who is working in the underground army doing guerrilla warfare against the Romans and their stools like this. So how do two people who hate each other spend the next three years traveling together and working together? The only thing strong enough to hold them together is a new shoot of Jesse, Jesus. Then you go to the early church. You fast forward there where most people are Jews. They have never in their lives polluted themselves by sitting down to a meal with a Gentile. It would be offensive and wrong for them to do that. And now they're sitting there having an agape meal and, a commu and communion together in their churches? How does that happen? Only through Jesus. It doesn't happen any other way. Closer to our own time, come to Los Angeles in 1906. Rob mentioned this as well, Azusa Street. This is an era, friends, when lynchings are common. And out in a little mission storefront thing in L.A., William Seymour, a holiness preacher, whose parents at one time had been slaves back in Louisiana, and he's leading meetings there that are drawing whites, blacks, Native Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans. In, and in that revival, one eyewitness wrote this, the color line was washed away in the blood. Come to India. In our own day, where Anglican leader Vinay Samuel observes this, one sign and wonder, biblically speaking, that alone can prove the power of the gospel is that of reconciliation. Hindus can produce as many miracles as any Christian miracle worker. Islamic saints in India can produce and duplicate every miracle that has been produced by Christians, but they cannot duplicate the miracle of black and white together of racial injustice being swept away by the power of the gospel. How is this possible? Only through Jesus. Recently, I was talking with a woman whose daughter is studying at Jerusalem University College. And so this mom visited her daughter there. And I said, what was the trip like for you? And she said, oh, it was so jarring to see and to actually viscerally feel the intensity of the hatred between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Everywhere you go, you see military presence on the streets, you, you, you experience blockades and checkpoints and frisks and pat-downs. And, and it's, it's just said, it, it was shocking to her. And then she said something to me, and I've not been able to verify it, and I, I, there may well be exceptions to this, but she said, the only places in the world where after generations of hatred and division have come peace are the ones with Christian influence. Northern Ireland, South Africa, the civil rights movement in the U.S. The more we look through this close-up lens in Isaiah's prophecy, the more we start to see wolves lying down with lambs. 
I've been following what up in Vancouver, British Columbia, what a Wheaton grad up there, Ken Shigematsu, is doing, leading his church to repent to and reconcile with First Nations people who were so dreadfully treated by the Canadian government and by European settlers and, yes, by Christian missions. Or you can go to Alabama, uh, to the site where uh, a white supremacist named, uh, I'm sorry, I think it was Mississippi, actually, where a white supremacist, he was from Alabama, but I think this happened in Mississippi, named Thomas Terrence was arrested while trying to bomb a Jewish businessman's house. He was sentenced to 30 years in the Mississippi State Pen, and he escaped, and after the escape, they caught him again and put him in solitary. So to keep from going crazy, he just started reading. And he started reading the Gospels. And when he did, he realized, oh, wow. That's different than what I think. And he got down on his knees and started following Jesus Christ. Later, when he got out, he served as a co-pastor of a multiracial church. Let me ask you this question, friends. In your life, even now, is it possible that a wolf could lie down with a lamb. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And he invites us to do something kind of crazy. He says, and I hear I'll use the words of Paul, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. There's parts of it you can't control. But from your side, is there a way that peace could be extended? Could Jesus give you a grace, a wisdom, Maybe, maybe, and you may already be anticipating this, that person was a wolf, still is a wolf, and always will be a wolf. Well, even in situations like that, Jesus helps us. He says, I'm sending you out as, like sheep among wolves. So, here's what I want you to do. Be as shrewd as snakes, but as innocent as doves. Could Jesus give you the power to promote peace by giving you shrewdness and wisdom, how to set boundaries, how to arrange things so that the opportunities for conflict are reduced. Could he, could he wash your heart with innocence so that you can pray for this person in a new way? When I've had folks causing me hurt, here, here's the prayer I, I decided I would pray for them. Lord, it's got three parts. Lord, bless them, use them for good, and make them more like you. Bless them, use them for good. Because right now you're not. <laughs> and make them more like you, because they could use that, right? But I, I leave out all that other stuff. I just say it. I just pray for them. And I realized, if I were causing the hurt, would I want someone to pray this for me? And I would. That's exactly what I would want them to pray. I've seen people change. I've seen relationships mend. Sometimes they don't go all the way back, but they go a long way back. Sometimes it surprises what will happen. But friends, here's what I'm telling you. Whether it's today when we see it all partly through, through the close-up lens or on the day of Jesus Christ and we'll see it in full, globally, the word remains true. The wolf will live with the lamb. Amen.